0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a podcast about something I haven't talked about in a really, really long time, which is productivity, tech stacks. Let's get into the nitty gritty about how you can get some stuff done and using uh, an example of a fully remote company, which is Casey, all I can tell you how we end up getting things done. So the first thing I want to say is that the processes that I'm going to be going over on this podcast are not the one true path by any means. Um, this is stuff that we've developed over the course of about seven years. And uh, before this, a lot of the philosophies that went into how we run the Company is kind of based on how I tried to run my life from a productivity perspective. Um, and a lot of the reasons why some of these things, might seem like they are uh, overly restrictive or, you know, kind of some people could argue over engineered is because I personally am a very, very high quick start individual. So it's super easy for me to lose attention on what I'm focusing on. So for me to project manage myself and eventually project manage the team, which a lot of the early team members consisted of people with very similar Colby scores as me, I had to build something that was so strong that we could wrangle all of these, you know, elemental forces of people trying to create their own stuff. And interestingly enough, when we ended up doing that and got that to work, we were able to scale in a much more efficient manner because we built it to a really, really high standard. So people that were a little bit more, you know, process oriented and had a little bit better of a natural follow-through, were in a much better place to end up doing things. So we're going to talk about some systems, but I think it's really important that systems are only tools at the end of the day. Uh, We're going to go over a couple of apps that we end up using, but um, the tools are only as good as the process that you end up following, and every tool is a solution to a problem, and maybe not a problem, but a challenge. But basically, the challenge that we've had to run. And if you have any interest in this, it's kind of interesting. I've had a few different recent consultations with um, clients, and you know, people ended up being prospects at the end of the day. We've been interested in doing stuff that is, you know, uh, outsourced, uh, you know, using multiple time zones, leveraging other great job markets that don't happen to be the U.S. or you know, having hiring U.S. people abroad, but basically opening up things to remote work. And one of the things that I've never actually said on this podcast is that this podcast has to span four continents <laughs> in order to actually get to your ears right now. So I'm recording this right now in North America, Austin, Texas, to be specific. This is project managed out of Budapest, Hungary. And we have work that's done in terms of the actual technical setup that's in the Philippines and the audio editing is actually done in Africa, which is kind of interesting. But how do we end up having this kind of situation where we're seamlessly passing these things off? We don't have a single period where all four of those people are going to be paying attention at the same time. Not all those people are even all case employees, which is pretty cool. But how do we coordinate these things a way where things are done to the right spec every single time and keeping things together in a way that makes sense? Another thing that I want to address before we get into things is when you have the possibility for work being done 24-7, there is the possibility for people to be working 24-7, which is absolutely something we do not want to have. I think work-life balance is super, super important, and I think it's super important to have things end up getting switched off. I think the strength of your process is a really good way to be able to relax into these things. If your process is shaky and the only way that something ends up getting done is if you're you know, nagging somebody over their shoulder to do it, then you're never going to be able to take a vacation. So in order to have the situation where anyone can take time off, you have to make sure that things are buttoned up 100%. Uh, I love this quote from David Allen and um, a lot of the stuff that that's kind of become the philosophy for how we we end up running things at KCO comes from the book, Getting Things Done by David Allen. So If you don't have a system that you can trust 100%, then you have to have mental bandwidth committed to making sure that those things are done. And every single time you have a task that you're not certain is going to be happening, uh, it's almost like you have uh, like an open tab on your browser. And before long, and, and, you know, if you've been in this situation, uh, this might be a reason. You have a lot of things that are happening in parallel and you actually have a ever expanding to do list. With an ever decreasing amount of resources to deal with that to do list, right? So it's really important to have a system that's bulletproof. That we understand that we can, you know, try things out, and, and not only something that's theoretically bulletproof, but something that's bulletproof in practice. Make sure balls aren't being dropped. And another benefit to getting do to this besides the fact that we can coordinate teams across different time zones and get people a situation where they can take vacation and not really be worried about things that are happening and making sure the, ta- the the trains run on time is. We've also made one (laughs) interesting twist on this and we challenged ourselves to build uh, an organization that runs without email. So I'm gonna get into our tech stack in a little bit, but before we kind of get into why we end up doing this, it's a lot of it has to do with this concept of not having open tabs. And the overall philosophy that we have is if we're in the situation where the people that are moving the ball forward with significant stuff in the business are able to do things proactively instead of reactively, that allows them to do better work. And this is essentially the deal that we provide for our clients. There are absolutely drawbacks in terms of how quickly that we can respond to things, but the payoff is that the quality and the depth of the work that we're doing is gonna be far superior to if we're running on a, you know, who yells the fastest, gets their thing done the first kind of a basis, right? And I'll get into... There actually are situations where somebody should have an emergency, and we'll get into what that is, or situations where people do have to be reactive. But um, outside of that, for most of the people, that are doing project based work as opposed to you know recurring work, uh, balancing out accounts, speaking to clients, making sure we're following up on things. We want to make sure that they're able to do things in the order and following their own energy as much as possible too. And I'm not talking about this in like, you know, like the woo woo uh, alignment uh, aura type stuff. I'm talking about whether they have more energy at the beginning of the day, later to the day, you know, whatever they happen to want to do it. Right. So let's get into the the major softwares that we use. So basically, we have email as an absolute backup, and that was basically the way that we ended up running things by default as a company. Uh, you know, for that was kind of the starter. The problem with email. And this is something that I didn't come up with. I think this is, uh, I think I might've heard this in the Tim Ferriss podcast, but emails where other people organize your to-do list, which is not a really, really great way to be proactive. Um, The other thing too, is that if you are open in any capacity to email, you open a email as long as you are around, right? So that's the problem. We don't want to have situations where people are checking emails until 1030 at night and, you know, losing sleep or whatever and getting stressed out on this stuff too. So we take email out for internal concerns and as much as possible, we try to take email out as a methods for communication for client concerns. The second thing we have, and this was something that we also, I think this is a huge double edged sword is we have Slack, but where we have it, Slack was something that we used to use to assign and talk to things to Slack is primarily for us for just kind of, you know, water cooler type chat and any workshopping stuff that isn't related to a specific task. But the granddaddy of the mall, where everything ends up living, is our deployment of Asana. So if you guys aren't familiar with Asana, it is a project management tool. I don't think it's the only project management tool, but it's a project management tool that we've decided to use. Some similar ones I know some people have success with are Trello, ClickUp. That kind of stuff. I think they all more or less do the same thing. I like the pricing for Asana. I've become used to the interface over the past couple of years. And I think the feature set is good enough at the end of the day. But in order to make sure that we have a system that people are following 100%, we need to be very, very harsh with what constitutes a real request and what doesn't. So our rule of casual is if it doesn't exist on Asana, it doesn't exist. Period. You can send somebody an email. You can send somebody a Slack message. But if it isn't referring to something that happens in Asana, then it, the chain of custody in terms of who is responsible for that outcome falls on the person who didn't assign the task, right? And you know, I'm not going to get into too deep into like you know concepts of who owns what, processes and whatnot, too. But at the end of the day. You have to have these things, too, because, you know, the more people that you get into the mix, and this is something we learned the hard way going from, you know, team of five to team of about 25. Another kind of quick thing, too, every single time you you put past you know, about three times in your team size, you have to redo all these systems. So this is kind of the stuff that we've seen from the other side of that thing. And again, we want to touch base in this episode when we hit 75, if that's a place we end up going, we might have a different conversation. But for the time being, that's basically the huge lesson we've learned at this point so that's basically it so when we have situations and it's not has been fantastic as well because we have at a glance so, so we have ownership over tasks right so if i have to do something there is a task right now for me recording this podcast and then when i finish that up i'm going to click complete on that task and i'm going to sign the next person to send this audio off to the editor which is pretty cool so at any time we don't have to have the situations where emailing hey where was that episode or hey where was that client deliverable or hey you know did you guys get to that because there is one external single source of truth that everyone can watch without having to bug everyone about. I um, it's kind of funny too, because I probably shudder at the thought of how much stuff, like how much time, how much life I've wasted in checking up on things <laughs> that could have been solved with a, a solution like a solution like this. But this actually is really, really good on taking everyone's bandwidth down and like just we're, we're limiting so much friction within the communication of the business, which is really, really cool. The other thing that's awesome, and and this is something that we've actually kind of gone even deeper into Asana. So we used to have a much like more Google suite dependent source of things. So we would keep things on uh, Google Docs, Google Spreadsheets. We have all these different things for archives, but we've moved as many things as possible onto Asana. And I'll give one super like quick tactical example of what we're doing. So every single meeting that we have within KCL, we actually have an Asana board too. So what's really cool about this, whether it's a, you know, we run an all-hands tactical meeting just for the leadership team every Monday. Um, Don't call me on Mondays. That's what I'm doing. Uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's only an hour. But basically... Every single person has their sheets with their KPIs. That's automatically popular. Well, they're populating them on their own, but it's automatically linked there. If I come up with something, it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, uh, 10 minutes after the meeting or, you know, at Saturday at, you know, 5.30, if something pops up in my head while I'm, you know, going to a restaurant or something like that, I can place it on the Asana board. And then the next time that meeting ends up coming up, that is a topic for discussion. And so the cool thing about this is that, my coming up with an idea doesn't necessitate anyone else's attention being drawn away. I mean, again, I, you know, I'm the founder, and the owner of the company, so I'm more likely to be thinking about these things on the weekends, but the way that we avoid having this become anyone else's problem is that we also have a policy where everybody snoozes their notifications on Slack and Asana and pauses their inbox on Friday and doesn't unpause it until Monday. So, I think it's super important for people to have space to recover on these different things, especially when we get into super crazy times. I hope you know, those people to the higher standard of, of taking time off than I do myself. But uh, basically, you know, that's a way where you as the owner can get something in place without having to impose somebody else's mental energy towards something that you just happen to be thinking about. So that's also another super important thing. And then it actually also opens things up too, because now I have a seamless system because if there was a situation where I came up with an idea on at 530 and I didn't want to send somebody an email if they were checking, or I didn't want to send somebody a text message or a phone call or a Slack message. Now I can feel okay about doing that without it being an imposition on somebody else's time and energy, which is cool. Now I have to say that there are some things that we do keep reactive. So, and these are mostly going to be sales related positions. So for our ISA team, for example, we're shooting for a five-minute service level agreement on anyone who attends a webinar. So we're trying to make sure that we're calling those guys within a five-minute window. Those people you know, are not going to be able to hit the snooze notifications on that. Well, they are, but it's not going to be during normal business hours. Same thing with our sales team. <laughs> if we get a lead that's coming in from who knows what source, uh, we're going to get, try to get to that within five minutes as well. As far as the client stuff goes, and this is probably where it relates mostly. Well, obviously the sales stuff is going to be relevant to a lot of the listeners of this show, but as far as running a law firm, the client stuff, we try to make a very, very strong distinction on what constitutes a you know, panic button level response. <laughs> and we have specific protocols for this. And we set the expectations with clients on what ends up doing because the default, and this is definitely the true of your, of your legal clients, is there's certain kinds of people where you, you give them the finger and they're going to end up taking your entire arm. They realize the louder I yell, the faster I'm going to get this done. And just like any other animal, they're going to be pursuing the stimulus that gets them what they want. Right. So the alternative to that is setting out certain things about you know what constitutes an emergency. If we have a ad campaign that's been live for six weeks and somebody doesn't like this shade of blue that's on their landing page. I'm sorry, that's not an emergency. Um, I don't care how yell you, uh, how loud you yell, it's not going to really make a material difference on what's going to happen with that campaign. Even though you might think it is in your opinion. If we have the situation where somebody's active ad budgets going to a different attorney, God forbid, and this doesn't happen, but like that would be a situation where we'd have to, you know, pull the stop lever and make sure that you know something is fixed before we continue to spend any money. But again, these are the kind of things that you have to outline with your clients when you're getting started because you can't say, you know, after the fact, well, I didn't feel like responding to that because I don't think that's a really big deal. Bad situation, right? So again, for those panic button level things, we let people know and then, you know, there is a panic button, right? So if you want to send to, I'm not going to say what the email is, but I mean, there's a certain thing that you can do within to end up doing that. That will broadcast to a Slack channel. If anyone's on deck, then they're going to be doing that. So there is, you know, a backdoor for that stuff. But it's important to give people the option because that also tells you whats is and isn't isn't okay. We can't just say like, hey, look, you know, this is uh, you know some sort of uh, four-hour workweek lifestyle business. We just don't answer to anyone anywhere because you know you also have to have a level of service for some things, obviously. <laughs> but in defining what does constitute in defining what does constitute an emergency, you're open to d- defining what doesn't constitute an emergency. And if you don't name what that distinction is, everything is emergency. I want you to let that sink in for a bit. (laughs) So that basically wraps it up. So again, just to kind of recap, we are an email-free company. We do everything on Asana. It's super important. It doesn't have to be an Asana, but if you have a third-party project management system, you need to make sure that there is one source of truth. Otherwise, people are going to pick their favorite and you're not going to be speaking the same language with anyone in the business. And the kind of outcomes we've been able to do is being able to run a remote team where very few balls are dropped. And if balls are dropped, we have this extremely clear chain of custody into how to happen. We're immediately able to correct these things, but it does take a little bit of work, but that's how we end up doing it. So I hope this was fun for you guys. If you have any questions, make sure to kick a comment over in the show notes or or drop us a line down at the website. But for everybody else, I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.